Joshua 4 tonight. We've been kind of walking our way through the book of Joshua since we got here to the BCM. Chapter 4 is when, um, when they go across the Jordan. And we talked last week about this was kind of this generation's big, um, big experience with the power and uh, sufficiency of God. And their um, parents and grandparents and great-grandparents had, had been there when God uh, parted the Red Sea. And they were able to escape out of Egypt and... Um, this generation now uh, kind of they get, came to their own body of water, and God kind of gave them their own version of, of that going across the Jordan River. And this uh, this chapter is is one of my favorites. Um, I think it's because I'm um, I'm just a big geek, basically, um, and like I love uh, I love stuff that has a story to it, and um, if you come to my, um, well now to my house, and one of my bedrooms is now an office, and uh, it has books everywhere, and uh, thanks for that. I have lots of books, and I have lots of stuff in there, and these big bookshelves, and uh, they look awesome, And um, but all throughout my shelves, I have all this stuff that um, I basically stole uh, from my grandparents, um, which is, I guess, okay. Um, it's in the family, and there's uh, I have some um, some hand tools from my dad's dad, and um, my mom's dad was a he was um, he worked uh, he was a surveyor he was an, an engineer, and um, so he had all these um, all these little tools from back in the old day when they did everything by hand, and he's got all these uh, these notebooks with all his uh, sketches in them and all this stuff and all these, these rulers that he used and all these instruments that he would use and um, stuff like that and uh, just things from, from them that they used and these men were very influential in my life and um, both of them have passed away and I've just had d- different points where, um, and maybe some of you have been there, where they've just said, if you want anything in the house, you need to go get it now. And so we went and we took stuff that was important to us and we fought over stuff and um, I managed to get away with some things that nobody in my family knows where they are. Uh, they're like, what happened to his putter? We don't know where his putter is. I'm like, I don't know. No idea where his putter is. Um, stuff like that. And, uh, and this chapter, I think, is, um, I think maybe I'm like a Hebrew somewhere along, in, along the lines because God was always having them uh, set up things and uh, attach meaning to um, altars and places, and he was changing names, and he was do, always doing stuff um, as a memorial, you know, as a tribute to 
um, to help them remember things. So we're going to go through this chapter and uh, just read the, the whole thing. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on here. This is chapter 4, book of Joshua. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is a cool story. Um, and so, you know, the, the priests step in the water. The water stops flowing and is walled up on one side, and it rushes down. You know, so there's this, this dry area, and everybody passes over. And the priests, like we talked about last week, just stood there in the middle holding the ark as everybody went around them and went around them. And, um, and so there, there are so many things. I was 
reading this story this week, and it was like, man, there's so much you could look at, you know. Um, it's like, what is, what, it, what is it, you know, what is it for us this Sunday, you know. Um, and uh, one of the things that, um, that I, I think is for us tonight is looking at the idea of remembrance. Um, and it, it's something that, um, it's not a new topic for us at the ring, it's something I've talked about many times. Um, the cross that's back there in the corner, um, it has uh, all these popsicle sticks nailed to it. And we had a night where people wrote uh, reasons why, like reasons they had to trust God, things that God had done that were um, just like, I can trust God because he did this. And people wrote those on those sticks, and they tacked them on that cross. Um, and uh, that was a, a, one of our prayer experiences one night, and we just decided we're going to stick that sucker up by the prayer request table because what better place uh, to have it than right there when someone's writing down a prayer request about something tough that's going on in their life and you know, something's difficult, and to be right there in the shadow of all these reminders of all these amazing things that God has done. Um, and, and so that really is kind of one of our own stones, you know, just like in this story. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that, that we have done. Uh, we have a, a time capsule that's full of prayers that we did that night also. We don't really know where to bury it because we don't really have a place to bury it, but we'll find a place. Um, and uh, so there, know, there's just all kinds of, of things and so it was not, you know, I was like, well, I've always used this as an example of, of stuff, you know, and, and when um, the whole point, you know, as it says it twice in the passage, is that when your kids are like, Dad, what are these stones here for? You know, the dad's like, well, let me tell you. And you, you pass on to your kids. That's how they learn about the faithfulness of God, and you have these stories to tell them and stuff. Um, and so I, I kind of went in, in a different direction for tonight, um, and more looking at not so much the fact that we need to remember what God has done and build our lives on his faithfulness, because we've, we've talked about that in this chapter, and I just more started thinking, like, why, why, why do we miss it? You know, like, why do we forget? Um, I mean, Jesus on the cross should be enough, right? I mean, we, we've been singing songs about that. You know, there's no doubt when you start singing some of those truths, you're like, this is right, you know, like this this is what life is about. And, you know, and that, even that new song that I messed up at the beginning. Um, it's, I found a love that's greater than life itself. I mean, goodness, that's, that's strong. Um, I found a, a hope that's stronger and nothing compares. I mean, it, and so, like, I just spent a lot of this week just being like, I have every reason to not need 12 stones piled up, you know. I, I, I have every reason to not, like, in this... Hear me, I have every reason to not need a cross to remind me, you know. I love it. I'm glad we have it. Um, I, have, I have every reason for that, you know. Like, why, why do I and why do we tend to forget? And um, obviously, it's, there's something about human nature that God in all his wisdom, uh, he, you know, he designed us and he knew that we needed reminders. He knew that Israel needed reminders. You can look back in their own history and see that they had this real problem with, with remembering, you know. God would do this ama- these amazing things, and then next thing you know, they're all, like, mad. And they're all, like, wanting to serve other gods and throw all their jewelry in a pot and make a cow, a gold cow out of it and worship that, you know. And they're, just, they're so forgetful. And, um, you know, I, I think, I mean, why, why do you think we do the Lord's Supper? It's, it's about remembrance, right? I mean, Jesus said, until... 
until I come back, you do this in remembrance of me. It helps, helps us stay aligned, you know. And I really just kind of got frustrated with myself because I, I, I know with me, like, how, like, I don't know, like, I, w- I want to be more mature than that, you know. Like, and maybe you are. Maybe you can, you can help. Um, I appreciate any help I could possibly get. And I just really got frustrated. I was like, I don't, I don't want to have to, like, have, like, some big thing help get me, like, realigned with where I need to be. You know, like, I want to, I want to stay there more consistently. And um, so I started thinking about what, a, what is the point of a memorial? You know, they set these stones up. What was, what was the point? You know, memorials, one thing they do is they, they, honor, they honor people. You know, there are war memorials all over the place. There's a big giant one on the parade grounds right now. And a part of that is to pay honor to those, um, whether it's soldiers who have fought or, you know, people who have died or, or you know, whatever. Um, a part of it is, it is honoring someone for what they have done. Um, another thing that memorials do is, is they tell a story. Um, everybody that's on a, uh, one of those um, war memorial things and all those names of people that have died, every one of them has a story that's there. You know, the, the war has a story of its own. And everybody has their own little stories about families they left behind and parents who lost their sons too soon and, and buddies who, who carried their, their, you know, fellow soldiers out, you know, in gunfire. And there's just all these other stories. And so memorials help tell a story. Um, and they also, they just remind us, you know, you don't, um, you don't walk by a Vietnam War memorial without remembering, like, wow, like, we, we really went through that, you know? You go to, go to New York, and forever and ever and ever, until Jesus comes back, there will be 9-11 memorials there, um, because they don't want anybody to forget that. Um, there's this really, really great uh, documentary that I saw about this, uh, this school project, and they wanted to collect a paperclip uh, for everybody who was killed in the Holocaust. Have y'all seen that? Ever seen it? Awesome. Uh, and um, and so they set out on this on this project. They're like, we're going to get a paperclip, one paperclip for every person, and that's a lot of paperclips. And uh, it became this huge project the class took on. And basically, long story short, they have a um, a rail car that was actually used um, to transport um, Jewish prisoners. They got one of those rail cars, and that's where the paperclips are held. And it's this memorial that you go to and. Um, so, like, school groups from all over the, the region come and they travel, and you just walk through this rail car, and you're like, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of these paper clips there, you know? And so these kids who were not around then, and most of us, I don't think, were around then, um, you can't walk in that rail car or in the Holocaust Museum in D.C. or whatever um, and not be like, man, this really happened, you know? So it helps us remember, and it tells a story, and it helps honor those who were a part of it. And so here are these stones that are set up, and they do the same thing. You know, they were, in a, they were honoring God for what he had done. They were telling, it was helping to tell the story of God, but it was also helping them to never forget the significance of that. And uh, it's cool that there are, there are two sets of 12 stones. There's one that's covered by a river, and, I mean, I don't know, I would assume that they're there somewhere today unless somebody took them. Um, and so there are 12 stones covered up by a river, and then there are 12 stones sitting in a pile in what was Gilgal. Um, so there's a story being told, and there's all this honor that's going on and stuff like that. 
And it, and it says, um, uh, these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And I wonder if that's a place where people who are Jewish travel to, to see, to remember. And I, I don't think it is. So when it comes to forgetting, I think there are a couple of things that, that factor in. And whether it's the children of Israel forgetting or whether it's us forgetting, um, God kind of led me to, to kind of four things, four thoughts on forgetfulness to pass on. Um, why do we forget? The first thing, we, we forget what God has done when we are self-absorbed. Um, when everything that happens in life is about us and how it affects us and um, if things are not going the way we want it to go or you know, things are really panning out the way we had hoped or we planned on it going a certain way and now it's not. We get all mad and we get all flustered or whatever. And when, when all of life is about us, we're going to forget the things that God has done. You see Israel do that you know, as they're traveling. Um, God has, has parted the Red Sea and there's this big miraculous escape and he's provided food for them and, and guidance and a leader and all this kind of stuff, whatever. And they're still forgetting. And it's because they were completely self-absorbed. You know? They were complaining. They were grumbling. And it, just, it became about, about them. And we're kind of the same way. And it's so, so, so easy to forget what God has done for us and in our lives when the only thing that we're concerned about is us, when um, there is no consideration for other people. There's this really great, uh, there's this car- cartoonist guy who does these, like, these little like one or two column cartoons, and um, he has this one, and it's in the first column, it has like this, this guy, and he's standing there with like, his surfboard, and uh, he says, um, says, God, please, uh, it, it's, it's my day off, um, please don't let it rain today. And then the, the second uh, picture is a farmer, and he's standing there with like his pitchfork deal, and it's like, my crops are dying, please let it rain today. And I, I love that, I love what that cartoon is saying, you know, is that um, it's really not always about us and how things affect us and what's going on with us. But that's so much of, of how we look at it. Um, and you might not sit around and pray for rain or not rain or whatever, and that's not really the point. But it's, it's the fact that, that there are, are things going on in other people's lives all around us, and when we get completely focused on us, that's when we tend to forget the faithfulness of God. Um, you add to that, we tend to forget when, um, when circumstances blind us from the sovereignty of God. Um, you know, we start to look around, and all of us have been there, been those places where you start to look around your life and you kind of start to freak out a little bit because um, the situations that you find yourself in um, are not what you expected, and um, you're kind of starting to panic and uh, stuff like that. And when, when we let our circumstances push us around and, and determine um, our theology and our views of God and stuff like that, um, that's when we start to forget, too. You know, when, when you start to look at, at your bank account and you're like, man, I, 
I, I don't have any money. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And sometimes we let those circumstances then launch us into actions that maybe we don't really uh, support or wouldn't otherwise do. And, and what happens is sometimes those circumstances, as they begin to escalate and become more and more serious or whatever, we become so focused on those things that there's this whole sovereignty of God issue that's kind of hovering over us that we're completely ignoring. And so one is when we get self-absorbed, we forget. Another one is when circumstances start to carry too much weight um, and we, we start to ignore the sovereignty of God that's around us. Um, another one is um, when, our, when our feelings and our emotions uh, distract us from the truth. We've talked about this in community groups and on Sunday nights before, too, um, that just how, how like bullied we are by our feelings. You know, we, we let the fact that maybe we don't feel God the way we once did or the way that we think other people feel Him or the way we think that we should, we let that um, then lead us to the conclusion that God has left us or turned His back on us or whatever. You know, that He's mad at you, um, that, you know, whatever. Instead of letting the truth prevail, we let our feelings prevail. And so the truth would be that God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Um, I, I'm, I know everything about you. There's, no, there's not a moment where like, I'm not watching over you and protecting you and whatever. Um, we let that truth, uh, we're blinded from that sometimes because our emotions, for some reason in our culture, have become the, the deciding factor behind stuff. You know, if I don't feel God, then God's not with me. You know, if I don't feel loved, then I'm not loved by people. You know, um, and and so there's there's this um, this radical difference between what our feelings are telling us and what the truth is. And so when when our feelings begin to carry too much weight, that's another time when we forget the things that God has done. We forget His faithfulness and the fact that He's always there. Sometimes because we don't feel Him. Or he's not showing up in the ways that we want him to or the way we think that he needs to. And the, the last thing um, is we forget, we forget when sin um, hardens us to his voice and his leading. That's a, and that, that's a tough one. You know, um, sin has this incredible callousing effect. Um, you know, it's like, a, like calluses on a guitar player's hand or on a weightlifter's hand or something where... Um, like when if I don't know if you've ever like started to play the guitar. Most people make it about two days, um, and then they just get frustrated because your fingertips hurt so bad, and they're all red and whatever. And you you have to build those calluses up, and um, sin in in a very similar way. Um, when when we're when we're walking in obedience and things are cool, uh, it's. And then all of a sudden, like, we, we mess up, we have a bad day, we stumble and fall, whatever. It hurts, you know. At first, you're like, oh, man, that, that was not good. I don't want to do that again. But sin still has that appealing, you know, whatever to it. And so, so a lot of times we, we push through that pain or, or we just we don't care how much it hurts. You know, it, it makes us feel good or it accomplishes something or we like, you know, we like the end result. And so um, what happens is... Our, our hearts kind of, they, they get callous like a guitar player's hands do. And eventually, whenever you play enough guitar, like it just doesn't phase you anymore. Like you're, you look at a guitar player's hands and they're just, they're gross. I mean, they're all dried out and whatever. 
And that's kind of how our hearts get too. And when, our, when sin has calloused our hearts, we're going to forget the, the faithfulness of God. Or maybe forget wrong word. Maybe ignore is, is more like it, you know. Because it's ignoring His faithfulness and His love and His compassion that got us there in the first place. And so with, with, with all of these things, um, whether it's, it's being self-absorbed or circumstances or feelings or sin, you know, th- those first three, they have, their, they have their place in life, you know. Like, I'm not saying you should go through life completely, like, oblivious to how things affect you um, and how circumstances affect you, you know. Our circumstances, they have their role. Our feelings, they have a role, and it's, it's important and all that kind of stuff, but where, where when we start to forget things or when those things come ahead of uh, things that are more important, when self becomes more important than Jesus, you know, when circumstances become more important than sovereignty, when feelings and emotions become more important than truth, um, when um, sin and whatever feels good and whatever we want Comes, it becomes more important than obedience and, and holiness. Um, the, that, that's why we forget, because things get all flipped out of order. And so I was thinking about it, you know, and you can look at, at Israel, and they were, I mean, all those things were there. They were completely uh, uh, focused on themselves so much of the time. When they were hungry and they were thirsty, and they were the ones saying, like, well, back in Egypt, we had big pots of meat that we sat around to eat, and we had houses, and we had all this stuff, and Moses led us out here in the desert to die and all this kind of stuff. Um, completely self-absorbed, completely pushed around by circumstances, um, completely emotional and, you know, whatever. And, and they were just, they were sinning. I mean, the, you, can, you can see that history of Israel just being up and down and up and down and up and down. And so I look at that and I, I have to believe that, that God had Joshua set these stones up as some, like, preventative, like, kind of damage control kind of stuff. And I think the Lord's Supper was instituted for many reasons, one of them being uh, remembrance for us. Because all these things become more important, and a lot of times we forget about what Jesus did on the cross and, and the importance that it plays in our lives. So if God has built into Scripture and in the life of the church things of remembrance, what that communicates to me is that God does not want us to forget. And so I look at my life, and as one who tends to forget or, or to ignore or to be pushed around by all these things or whatever, I don't want to live that way. You know, like I'm, I'm tired of, of being in that pattern. And I think when it comes to, to maturing in Christ and in our faith, that's got to be one of those things that when we look at our lives, we're like, you know what, like, I don't, like, as much as I love that cross being back there, I don't want that to always be the thing that jerks me back to reality, you know. I want to be closer to the center already, you know. When, when it's time for the, when we do communion, I don't want to be pulled out of left field back to, you know, where it needs to be. I want to, I want to be closer than that, you know. And so, for us, I think maybe all of us battle some of that stuff. 
And I think we probably all in different times of life battle the remembering of what God has done and building our lives on the fact that he is faithful and he is consistent and he is always there and he is always in control. And so if you're in a place and you look at your life and you're, and you're kind of like me where you're like, I just I want to be more steady. You know, I don't want to be all over the map. Like, I want, to, I want to be more mature than that. I've been all over the map for a long time. I think, it's all, I think it, it comes down to abiding in Christ. I think it comes down to staying connected to Jesus. And it's so simple. And I, I, I always feel like, you know, anything I teach about is going to come down to one of five things. And that's always going to be one of them. One day you are going to catch on. You're going to fire me. Uh, He's not original. He just says the same stuff over and over. Um, it's, it comes down to abiding. It's, a, it's an issue of, of lordship. See, when, when I am abiding in Christ, when I'm remaining in him, and as Jesus put it, he's the vine, we're the branches, and his life flows into our lives and produces fruit, and there's just that, that steadiness that's there and that relationship is there. You can't forget that stuff. You know, sin is not appealing when you are abiding. There's nothing about it where you're like, yes, I want to do that. I want to hurt Jesus. I want to damage my life, you know. No, you don't do that. When, you, when we're abiding and circumstances come and we're like, man, it's a good thing I'm abiding. A good thing I have Jesus. Or else that would freak me out. When we're abiding and, and our emotions our emotions serve their rightful place. Our feelings, they, they play the role they were designed by God to play. They were not designed by God to play the role of Scripture. They do not tell us the truth about God. They don't tell us, they're not you know, theologically driven. When we're abiding in Christ, our emotions, they're able to, to function the way God designed them to function, and not, they're not our master, you know. When we're abiding in Christ, life is not about us. It's not about how things affect us. It's about a king, and it's about his kingdom. It's about him being glorified. It's about us being like him in every way. It's about pursuing holiness, being obedient. And so that's really, that's the short answer to how do we keep ourselves from forgetting about all that he has done, and how do we keep ourselves from ignoring the evidence that's all around us? Well, we abide. And, and what you have to do is you have to figure out what helps you abide. You can look at somebody else's life, you know, and maybe what helps them abide is, um, you know, reading my utmost for his highest every day, three times a day. Well, guess what? Maybe that's where God brought them, and that's what works for them. Don't th- feel like you have the same exact thing to like live up to or whatever. You have to look at your life and say, Lord, show me the things that help me stay connected to you. It's going to involve Scripture. It's going to involve prayer, yes. But figuring out, God, what's, what is it for me? I want to abide. I don't want to forget. I don't want to walk in every Sunday night and like it take me just seemed like forever to come out from left field, finally come back into where you know like I want to be there before I show up. I want my Sundays and I want my Tuesdays and my Thursdays and my Saturdays to all have the same 
uh, temperature when it comes to my intimacy with you, my connection with you. Then you have to go to him and you have to say, I, Lord, I want to abide. By your power at work in me, I can abide. Show me, show me how to do that with my personality and my schedule and my lifestyle and how you've made me, how to, what's the best fit for me. And then you have to man up and you have to do it. And what will happen is the things in life that are there as memorials to help you remember, their, their function is going to change, you know. The cross that's back there is going to change. When we do the Lord's Supper, it's going to change. Um, scripture is going to change. Those things begin to reinforce things you're already experiencing as you walk with God. And everything begins to just function together and everything begins to click. I think that we have a lot to learn from the people of Israel. Um, I think that all the things we have around us to remind us of God's faithfulness and His power at work in us, those are all very necessary. And we got, we have, we've got to let them remind us. But what's awesome is that we have this huge advantage over them is that we live on this side of Jesus. And so His Spirit is at work within each one of us. They did not have that and so we have, like, we're completely set up to succeed, quote-unquote, in every way. And so the things about your life, when you look at your life, you're like, oh, if I could change one thing about my relationship with God, it would be this. You've been given everything that you need for that to become everything that Scripture says it can be and everything that you want it to be. And it's always going to be through abiding in Him and staying connected to Him. So I challenge you to, to see what that's all about for you. To ask him. He'll show you. And you got to do it. I think the change so many of us want to see is really so much closer than we think. All right, let's pray.